in our series, Power Words for Your Family. We've talked about love. Oh, yeah. We've talked about love. We've talked about hope, honor, blessing, or we'll talk about blessing. Today, we're going to talk about the word truth. We're going to talk about the word truth. And I have no other words to make up from truth except truth. By the way, all the words I make up, I don't make them up. I go to play, um, um, playwords.com and type in a bunch of letters and it gives me the words. I'm not smart enough to come up with the, the words that uh, I throw out there, believe you me. But I just want you to know there is one truth today. And the truth that you and I hold to is under attack. Matter of fact, the truth that you and I hold to is so much under attack that we are so unaware of the attack that we're not even involved in the fight. Truth. Truth. There's a great scene, in a, and it's an intense scene in the movie, A Few Good Men. Tom Cruise is the military lawyer. He's cross-examining Jack Nicholas, who is a commander of Guantanamo Bay. A man had died under his command, and Cruz was trying to get to the bottom of it. He's trying to get to the truth. And in an intense courtroom exchange, Cruz says, all I want is the truth, to which Nicholson, an indignant Nicholas, replies, you can't handle the truth. Well, we live in a world today we got a lot of people in our church, in our community, who don't know and can't handle the truth. For the truth is a power word that can change your family and can change your life. In fact, your life had better be built on this power word. This is one of those non-negotiables. As a matter of fact, all, all eight that we're going to discuss in this series are non-negotiables. But this is kind of like the bedrock. This is like the core of it, man. If you're not grounded in truth, if you are not built on truth, if your life is not framed around truth, I don't care. I was going to say diddly squat, but I didn't know if you knew what that meant. And uh, that is a Scrabble word, by the way. I don't care what your opinion is. What matters to me is the truth. I don't care how you happen to be feeling about something at any particular moment in time. The bottom line is truth. Truth. And I guess the question I want to ask you is, can you handle the truth? Do you know how to handle the truth? Webster defines truth as an agreement with reality. The eternal principle of right or the natural law of order, fidelity, accuracy, disagreement, or agreement with an unchanging standard or rule. Yet we've redefined truth today in our culture. Here's this litmus test of the standard of, of truth today. It's not God's inerrant, inspired, unchangeable word. It's, are they sincere? And if you're sincere, then all of a sudden, it makes you right. Have you heard of that? Uh, let me take you back to 9-11. There were 19 terrorists that we know of that were involved in the attack, each faithful to their God, each loving their families, each believing with all sincerity that they were doing what was right according to their culture, what was right according to their edicts of their faith, right according to what was right by their God, little g. They were sincere. See, sincerity is not the litmus test of right and wrong. 
And I know a lot of families, and we got a boatload of them here in church. Man, you are just spiraling out of control. You're grinning from ear to ear, and you think everything's okay because you're sincere. You sincerely love your children. You sincerely want them to be good kids. God did not call you to raise good kids. An atheist and a pagan can raise good kids. God called us to raise godly children on truth. Well, I think if they they just know that I'm sincere and love them, they're going to be all right in the end. That's not truth. The truth is, if they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and build their life on His truth, then they'll be all right in the end. Somehow we have made His truth about us. And so the 9-11 terrorists, they were sincere. Listen to me. This is not a true statement. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you're sincere. That is not a true statement. I can be sincerely going down I-75 at 105 miles an hour, but if there's a policeman beside me, guess what? He doesn't care how sincere I am. Sincerity is not the litmus test for right or wrong. Your opinion is not the litmus test for right or wrong. And what society holds as the new cultural norm is not the standard of truth and it's not the standard of right and wrong. There is but one truth. And the truth is not dictated by culture. In fact, this book should dictate the culture. But we've kind of been some come so introverted in our expression of the truth. Remember that old song we used to sing in Sunday school? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, yeah, this little light. Now, you know, we've changed that. (laughs) This little light of mine, ain't nobody going to see it. This little light of mine, ain't nobody going to see it. Listen, the Bible says that the only way to freedom from sin is through truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, listen to me. Sincerity is not the litmus test nor the standard of truth. And truth is not an internal thing based on your feelings, your whims, or your moods. Truth is an external truth. Truth is an external thing based on the character and the nature of God as revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is truth. Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Truth truth is the fuel for transformation for your family. The Bible is the greatest book ever written because it's the only book God ever wrote. It's a book that about truth and it's a book about what is true. David wrote in the book of Psalms, thy words are true. Psalm 119 rings over and over the theme that God's word is truth. Over 78 times in the Gospels, Jesus directly says, I tell you the truth. This book is a book of timeless, eternal truth, not dictated, not predicated, not required on the whims of the culture, 
but it is based on, grounded in, connected to Jesus Christ, the pure, righteous, holy Son of God. Can you handle the truth? Our kids are going to go off to college. We have 18, 19, I don't know how many seniors we got. We got a boatload of them. You're going to eat so much mastacholi in the next three weeks. And our kids are going to go off to school and, and they've had youth group to kind of bolster them and they've had, they've had your faith and they've had Tommy's faith and, and they've had the church and now they're going to go out and they're going to hear a professor ridicule truth. They're going to have somebody stand in front of them with a degree, with, with intelligence, but has a difference of opinion concerning truth. And it's there that our children, as they are turning into young adults, begin to wither in their faith. Not because we didn't raise good kids. We just didn't ground them, connect them, build them in the truth. It doesn't just happen. Go to the story of Matthew chapter 7 and verses 24 through 27. There's one point to the story, and I don't want you to miss it. And and by the way, you can insert your own name. You can insert family, life, people. It all applies. And here's the point of the little parable that Jesus told. Here it is. Strong lives, strong families, strong countries, strong nations, strong churches, strong people are built on the truth are built on the truth. Let's read the story together. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus said. But notice he doesn't just say, you hear them. What does he say? He says, and puts them into practice. Puts them into practice. Truth is a noun, but truth is also a verb. Truth is something that you hear and and embrace, but it's also something that you do that you apply, that you put into practice. For truth to be meaningful, truth, it has to be practiced in your life. Jesus said, if you hear my words, truth, and you practice my words, truth, then you're going to be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. And yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But then there's another guy in the parable. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not, does not put them into practice. See, the determining quality is if you are grounded in the truth or not, is do you practice the truth? I'm not talking about do you show up on Sunday morning. I'm talking about Wednesday afternoon, do you practice the truth? When you're home on Friday night, do you practice the truth? When it's just you in the house with you and the computer, do you practice truth? When you're on the phone or you're texting, as the, the, the new kind of thing is, and, and are, are you practicing truth? Jesus said, anyone who hears my words and does not practice them, well, he's like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the stream rose up, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. It's a simple story you've heard ever since your childhood. 
I don't want you to miss some of the strong implications of this story about our lives and about our families. I simply want you to understand, first of all, you can see two kinds of families, two kinds of lives, two kinds of people in this story. The first person is, is the one who built their house on the rock. The foundation is truth. It is built and based on ec- in eternal, external, timeless truth. Another family is built on the sand. There's no foundation and no true basis for their home. Their home is based on feelings and whims and fads and the ever-changing breezes of culture. I'll be honest, man, it is easier to dig in the sand. We have a a couple years ago, I built a deck, and these are the hands of a klutz, and I'm not good at building stuff, but we, we built a deck, and I had to drill 19 holes for this deck thing that my wife wanted built. So I rented a hydraulic drill thing that had forward and reverse and this power auger and, you know, counterbalance and counterweight. Man, I was, I was pumped, man. We were going to knock these 19 holes out in just no time. If I'd have been at the beach, I wouldn't even needed a power auger. But because my backyard has six inches of topsoil and 49 feet of clay, I needed a power auger. Matter of fact, we went through and, 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 and it was, as soon as we hit that clay, man, it just like stopped. And so I started jumping on that thing. Don was here at church. I called Don. He and I started pounding on that thing. I got my wife out there. Now she's on top of it trying to hang on to me and hanging on that thing. The kids came home from school. I got them out there all to get one silly little hole to go 42 inches down so I could pour a foundation to set my 4 by 4 or my 8 by 8 whatever I was sticking down in the hole on so I could build my deck. I'm telling you. It is easier to dig in the sand. I'll I'll be honest with you. To build your house on the rock, man, it's tough work. Digging the sand, it's easy. And then you got time for other stuff. It's so easy. It's quicker. In fact, being a sand digger is the default, default position for most people because it takes the least amount of effort. And besides, it's not what you can't see that matters. This is what you can see. I would imagine the guys whose house was built on the rock side by side against the guy whose house was built upon the sand, they probably looked the same. Maybe a two-story deck on the back, nice front porch, rocking chairs on the front. I mean, the, the whole southern colonial kind of picture. From the outside, they look similar. From the outside, they look the same. From the outside... They look good. I'll be honest, it's hard work to build on the rock. In fact, sometimes it's an out-and-out hassle. You might as well amen there, because sometimes the truth is inconvenient, isn't it? It demands things of us. The song Megan sang, taking God's word to the homes of the broken, being the hands and the feet of God. That's inconvenient, isn't it? I mean, really, most of our schedules are too full. Most of our schedules are, are pushed past the margins. Most of our schedules are, are just beyond the breaking point, and we live this life of just, you know, the pedal to the metal and a wide-open throttle. And I'm telling you, sometimes truth gets in the way of stuff I want to do. 
Doesn't it you? Man, I'm telling you, it's a whole lot easier to dig on the sand. But we find out there's two kinds of families, there's two kinds of lives. And I don't care where you go in this world, whether you go to China, India, Japan, they're just two types of people, those who build their lives on truth and those who do not. But there's also something else in this story that you see, that even though there's two kinds of families, two kinds of lives, two kinds of people, there's still only one common experience. Storms. Now, matter of fact, let me tell you something about every family in Kirby Church, every family in Flat Rock, every family in Michigan, every family in the United States, every family in the world. There's only two kinds of families, either those that are having problems right now or those that will have problems. We all have storms, amen? And sometimes the storms come in like they did last night and they're quick and they're violent and man, whoosh, and then they're gone. I am. Uh, I was real tired last night, and I was just about to to go to sleep, and I I was falling asleep on the couch, and I heard the wind really start to howl, and so I just kind of you know how you do when you're just kind of tired. You say, "Well, I'll just check the weather right before I fall asleep," and I don't really care. Let the house fall down doesn't matter to me. You know, it was one of those kind of tired things, and all of a sudden I heard. You know, the, the sirens, and, and they come on every Saturday at 1 o'clock, I'm told. Um, but this time I heard it over the wind. Well, I called Sue Anthony, lives just right a couple of hours down. And I said, isn't it funny, you always call somebody in the middle of the night and go, yup, you know, and it's kind of like, doesn't make any sense. I said, you know, and she said, yeah, she's getting some milk. I said, well, why don't you get that cup of milk and head to the basement, you know? Sometimes they're violent and they move in quick. Sometimes storms just kind of hang on and on and on like a, like a long saturating rain. And it just rains and it's gray and rainy for days and days and days and days. When I lived in North Carolina, I became, I, I became connected with a couple of words like Andrew and Hazel. These were two monster hurricane storms that blew off the Atlantic Meteorologists believe the storms, that the source of these storms originated well inland over the continent of Africa. They say it may have been a simple upper air disturbance or even a simple group of butterflies flying together, creating a simple ripple of airflow. And that airflow just kind of combined with another set of right circumstances and another set of airflow until finally it just under right circumstances. Man, you are in a full-blown Category 5 run-for-your-life hurricane. See, I don't know what storms you're going through. I just know that you're going to have a storm. Matter of fact, I guarantee you there's a storm out there with your name on it. When we lived in North Carolina, it was always a big deal at the beginning of hurricane season to see the names of the storms that would come up through the year because they, they, they kind of predetermined those names and, you know, that kind of thing. I guarantee you everybody here has a storm with your name on it. And it may have started from something that just didn't seem to matter at the time. Yet the devil, which is out to destroy us, will bring a killer storm our way. 
There's two kinds of families. They had one common experience, and then there's two outcomes. The the rains came, and the, the floods came, and the winds came. And one house stood. A house that was built on the rock. It stood. But the reason that the house built on the sand fell flat, why? It had no connection to the rock. It didn't have a sure foundation. It wasn't connected to the truth. The reason given for it falling flat, if you read the story again, the parable that Jesus gave, was not because of the wind, the flood, and the rain. The reason that it fell is because it didn't have a sure foundation based and built on truth. Listen, I'm telling you, when the storm that has your name on it blows your way and the rains fall down and the floodwaters rise, the only thing that you have to stand on is the truth of God's word. And if you stand firmly in his truth, your house will stand. You may be battered. You may lose some siding, you may lose some shingles, you, your house may take a hit, but you will stand. But for those of you who are not connected to the foundation, for those of you whose house is built on the sand, let's be honest. If a guy is smart enough to build a house we can assume he knew that he needed a foundation, right? Yet he chooses not to build on the rock. He built as a matter of appearance and convenience. And I think we got a lot of those kind of house builders here at Kirby. We got folks who are just committed to looking good on Sunday. When When we sang the song, I almost came up, but I kind of felt it was just for me. Um, the Revelation song. And, and the song just kind of poses a question. When was the last time in all, you, were, you, you felt awestruck wonder at the mention of his name? <laughs> That's not sand digging mentality. That mentality comes from somebody who's built on the rock. Somebody who's weathered some storms. Somebody who can tell you a few things about life's disappointments and life's discouraging times, but they're still standing, not because they're tough in character, but because they're built on a sure foundation of God's eternal truth. Daddy, can we put the the parable back up and the scriptures back up. I want to read those to you again. The Bible says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everyone who hears my truth and does truth and makes it a life of doing truth. Who embraces the truth, exhibits the truth, Lives out truth. He said, then you're like a wise man. Who built his house, not according to code, but built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the 
stream waters rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on truth. There is a battle that goes on for the hearts of our children and it doesn't go on here, it goes on here. The battle for truth. But everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears these words, same words, same words as everybody else has heard, but you don't put them into practice, well then you're like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rains came down and the streams rose and the winds beat against the house and it fell and it fell with a great crash. The only difference in verse 27 and verse 25 is the issue of truth is the issue of the foundation. Can you handle the truth? You and I are to build our lives on the truth. Because there is a storm out there with our name on it. And we're not going to fold, like Gerard Memory likes to say, cheap, long furniture in the wind. We're going to stand because of truth. David would write, Thy words have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Years ago, we did a lot of CTS drama uh, competition and competed at local, state, national level. We did one skit. It was one of my favorite ones called Fools Forget the Flood. And we had a narrator kind of stand here, and we had the wise man dressed up over here, and we had the foolish man over here. The foolish man and the wise man never said anything. They just pantomimed. And, and it was, they would just kind of tell the story how the wise man built his house on the rock, and he hammered, and he hammered, and he built, and he built, and he sawed, and he sawed. And he nailed and he nailed and he hammered and he hammered and he sawed and he sawed. And so they're panizing all of this. And then the, the foolish man is doing the same thing. He hammered and he hammered and he nailed and he nailed and he sawed and he sawed and, and, and that kind of thing. And so then it comes to the end of the, of the story. Fools forgets the flood by John Mulholiday. And it simply says this. Said, and one night a storm arose and the rains came down and the floods came up. And the house built on the sand, fell flat. And both the rich man, or the, both the man who built his house upon the rock and the man who built his house upon the sand died that night. And you're thinking, what? Here's the moral of the story. If you're going to build your house on truth, you better be ready to live in it. Don't go waving your Bible saying, I believe this book if you're not putting it into practice and you're not prepared to live in it. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Father, I pray you speak to my heart, our hearts, about this issue of truth. Father, I pray that you just convict us of our hearts if we are one of those that we hear your word but we don't put it into practice. 
Matter of fact, for some of us, the next time we hear your word will be next Sunday morning when we come back to church. There'll be no Bible study, no Bible reading. There'll be no personal time of praise and worship or celebration of your goodness and glory through the week. We'll not call anyone up and have a discussion about some truth of Scripture. We'll not attend a life group. We'll just go about our way digging deeper into the sand. Father, I pray that we build our life on truth. And Father, confront us. I mean, in our heart right now, break our hearts. Because there are many who hear the word, but they don't put it into practice. We are the sand diggers. We are the people that build our house upon the sand. Those who hear it and don't practice it. Lord, we all know a storm's coming. It's got our name on it. Some may be right in the middle of the storm right now. And where do you stand? Where do you go? Where do you run to? You run to truth. You stand on truth. With everything you have, you stand on God's holy word. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Man, I do not know where you're at spiritually. I don't know which house and what kind of... I, I, I don't know what foundation you're going for. I don't know if you're just content to be a deep sand digger. Because you can't handle the truth. Or you need to kind of wake up spiritually this morning and say, wait a minute. It's built on the wrong things. It's not appearance. It's not sincerity. Life has to be built not on the whims of my own opinion, the dictates of my own heart, or the whims of culture. It has to be built on God's truth. And you might as well amen here because I think we all struggle with that, don't we? We want to. We want our house to be built on the rock. But man, sometimes it's hard. I don't know whether you're going through a storm. I don't know whether you have just heard the word and it's been a long time since you've practiced it. I don't know... If you're one of those that you think just because you're sincere, that's good enough. Truth. It's a power word that can change your family. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and eyes closed? I want to pray for you this morning. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life. My prayer is that we not only hear the word, but we practice them. Truth is a verb. It's a noun, but it's also a verb. It's something we do. It's what we are to become. A life built on you.
I wasn't going to do this, but just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. I wonder if you'd be honest. And I promise nobody's looking. Man, you're just really struggling with truth right now. Living it. Obeying it. Believing it. Staying connected to the rock. Whether you're in a storm or wherever, just as tough for you right now. And I wonder, would you just let me pray for you this week? And, and if you'll raise your hand and just leave it up long enough where I could see it. And I'll pray for you this week, I promise. Just leave it up just a few more seconds so I can make sure I get everybody. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Of all of the verses that you can teach your children that carry weight and simple truth that they can grasp, this is a story that they can grasp, that they can understand. Father, my prayer is for everyone who raised their hands, for everyone who's struggling with some element of the truth, some aspect of it, whether we hear it and we don't put it into practice, whether we're in the middle of a storm that's got our name on it, Father, my prayer is that we embrace your truth, We follow you. Father, I pray that you allow us to, as we read your word or listen or get a CD of a message here at the church, where we sing the songs as we go to work that we sing in church on Sunday. Help us to do that with a reflective heart, an investigative heart, a heart that desires to dig in and to dig down for those deep truths of God's word. Father, may we realize that the the source and the stability of life comes from our connection to the rock, Jesus Christ, that sure foundation and eternal truth. So, Father, my prayer and my hope is that we leave this place committed, determined to be wise men and women, wise mothers and fathers, wise husbands and wives, wise believers in Jesus Christ.